Hello, welcome to another episode of Three Moves Ahead. I am your host, Rowan Kaiser. Uh, today we are joined by PC Games and senior news writer Ian Boudreau. Hey. And uh, freelance writer and generalist curmudgeon John Bolding. That's me. That's master of the swamps. Lord of That's the swamps, said he. <laughs> master of the swamps is good. Yeah. Today we are here to discuss Against the Storm, a recent re- recently released early access city builder on the Epic Game Store. Uh John, you are usually our early access city builder expert in that we say, "Hey, this new early access city builder came out and posted in our Discord." And you say, "Eh, maybe later." Uh but this one, Against the Storm, you actually came and said, no, we need to do a show on this. It's true. So what about Against the Storm makes it stand out from literally hundreds of other city builders on Steam and Epic and Itch and various other platforms? Against the Storm does two things that I find interesting. One is that it destroys your cities. It takes them away from you. And just like a fundamental part of the game is that the amount of time you get to spend with any given city is limited by its nature. After a certain amount of playtime, you get a score because this is a, a fantasy world city builder, sort of a an alternative type fantasy, not your standard high fantasy. There's three species. There's humans, lizard people and beaver people, um, and they live in this sort of last citadel of survivable territory called the smoldering city uh which is the only safe place in the world against this vast rotating hell storm that uh, eventually comes back and destroys everything outside of the smoldering city itself every cycle um and so you're a viceroy in charge of going out and establishing these temporary towns that are only going to exist for five or six years at a time before the next cycle starts and uh, everyone has to retreat back to the smoldering city and everything is destroyed and you start all over again. And so the interesting thing that Against the Storm does is it sort of it molds this sort of real time, almost RTS like resource gathering minigame with a meta progression system that you might see in like a deck builder. Right. Or uh, uh, your darkest dungeons is where you are picking up new upgrades, new interesting new things to add to the world, new types of buildings to build, new traders to come visit your settlement. And you are putting permanent upgrades in the smoldering city to add things like, you know, you can take more stuff with you when you embark or you can embark farther away from the center of of civilization. And. It does this in a sort of delightfully bite-sized way that I I really enjoy and it really appeals to me. Yeah, I think uh, comparing that this is like City Builder meets Slay the Spire in that not only does uh, not only do you like do little jumps of progression and slowly build up like your capacity for making your next run or city better. Uh, you also like each map you go to has certain specific um, perks that you can get and also 
perks that you can select later and also like uh, issues with the map. Like, for example, uh, one of the ones that really messed me up was one where uh, cutting down trees uh, like only 50% of the time actually gave you wood. So you have to like select your perks and build your city out knowing that wood is going to be significantly harder to get on those maps than it will be on others. And then other times you get like a perk at the start that's like you get free food every minute. And so you don't really have to focus on farming or whatever food management you do at the start. And you can start tweaking your city and uh, building making the choices that you make to kind of develop the city in specific directions for each run, depending on what's kind of being imposed on you by the game or what surprise options you get of cool, cool perks or cool items that will let you uh, do more, do more varied things across each, um, I would say like hour to two hour run is usually about how long it takes to build a city and let it go. Yeah, once you get really good, it's about, I think it's an hour, once you get really fast, or once you've unlocked a bunch of stuff and uh, go into sort of a lower level area in one of the sort of easier biomes. Like, I, I really love how you're encouraged to take new and different things with you based on what random hand you've been dealt. I, I just think that that adds a lot of interesting options to the game and pushes you out of your comfort zone like you can't reliably pick the same strategy over and over which is something that happens in a lot of city builders Ian, that's what, true and what stands out about uh, this to you yeah go ahead well that's that's kind of it like the the what you are presented with at the beginning of each run is kind of like a slot machine of you know various mutators that are going to you know impact kind of like you pointed out rowan um the the specificity of the of that particular run and uh What's interesting about this too is that the choices that you're presented with uh, periodically, there's so many systems that are kind of interacting with each other in this game in kind of an elegant way. Um, but you'll periodically have to pick an upgrade that you're given as you uh, gain favor with the queen back in the smoldering city. And that decision based on the, the, the biome that you're in, the map that you're on can straight up be wrong. You can, I've done this so many times. It's like, I, I'll pick the, um, I don't know, uh, like a lumber facility or something like that and realize, wait a minute, I can't do anything with trees in this map because that's, I, I've got other mutators that prevent me from gathering wood efficiently or, um, or a smokehouse or something. If you don't have access to meat, then. Yeah. That, um, that's one of the more brutal ones. You're like, Oh, cool. A trapper hut. They can gather like eggs and, and meat and insects to eat. And then they're like. Actually, there's here, none of that here. Here yeah, in the forest, is, we don't have any of those things. <laughs> we're a vegan map here. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, interestingly, though, all of these. So you're. I guess one thing that I guess stands out to me mostly is that like rather than a city, you're kind of building a resource extraction camp. And like you said, uh, it's temporary. You're only going to be there for a little bit. And the longer you stay, uh, the more hostile things, the, the pressure dials up over time because the forest becomes more hostile to you. It gets more difficult. Uh, but you've got a, a lot of options when it comes to kind of like putting things together on the fly. Like each of your production buildings can take, you've got a recipe for raw materials to finished goods. And in many of those cases, you can improvise and change the recipe. Like uh, maybe you don't have flour or maybe you don't have grain to make flour. 
uh, well, okay, in this case, we'll use roots instead to make flour. And that flour can then be used in your bakery to make bread, which I assume tastes like roots, but uh, you're still making bread or pies or whatever. So tapioca flour. Yeah, it it turns it into Trader Joe's. (laughs) Exactly, right. You can go, I'm I'm doing a Whole Foods uh, run. Uh, this time, <laughs> yeah. so but there is it's a density of systems that that really like once you start trying to explain it to somebody and and start going through the list of things that you have to be considering, there's a lot here. But I'm impressed with how well it weaves them together in most cases. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the key things that I think with most city builders that becomes an issue is um, like where where the locus of difficulty is. What what the point at which you realize, oh, this is the main thing I have to manage in this game. Uh, like City Skylines, rather famously, like once you get uh, a solid enough city, becomes about managing traffic. Uh, right. That's that's where all the difficulty ends up, like getting kind of shunted. Um, against the storm, these difficulty components, like can show up across the course of any part of the run because they're so short. It's like, it's just enough that you, once you start feeling like you're stable, you're probably done. And so it's sort of like the the most interesting beginning part of building cities in city builders, just kind of over and over and over and not having the like wait three hours for one tiny building to be, made and then all your people drive over there that you might get in a in a similar city builder conceptually but one that is not uh based that's built around you know having one city that you have for 30 hours whereas this one as soon as you're good you're good bye yeah you sort of build an infinite profusion of smaller towns and settlements and cities then you focus on you know building up one giant city just to a sustainable point and then just sort of iterating and expanding that bigger and bigger. And then, I don't know, collecting a bunch of the resources to build a wonder or what have you in this, it's about trying to achieve the best, most stable settlement you can. Um, and the difficulty I think comes from managing the needs of your populace and the stuff they want to have to be comfortable rather than, chasing after sort of a big name goals or anything like that when you achieve those sort of like oh man everything's going to be awesome as soon as i can get this bakery going like yeah you get the bakery going and then you're probably pretty close to being done um you always have the option to continue playing with any given city so i guess don't get us wrong but the the delight i think comes from getting to start over but you can you can keep going. You just don't get any of the sort of experience currencies once you hit that success point where the queen is satisfied enough with you and you've fulfilled all of her tasks. She delivers out to you for the run. Um, that is where the like if I was to put my finger on, uh, you know, what Rowan described as the locus of difficulty, it is that it's in um, making sure that the population is happy enough to stick around at least. Because that's where my runs have always gone wrong is um, something's happened. Uh, the lizards will get sad during the rain because they're cold blooded. Um, and then we'll be on enough of a knife edge that they won't have some other need. A couple of them will leave. 
that'll leave me short staffed. And it kind of causes a catastrophic collapse. Like that's happened to me a couple of times. Um, yeah. And, so and it that's, gets, that's where I find like, yeah, it can be, it can be real tricky as the, as the forest gets more hostile. The, the effect of that is to uh, like just a global uh, debuff to your uh, settlers, your whatever your workers, resolve uh, resolve. They're never they're never yeah. happy Wall enough. They're resolve. just resolved enough to continue in the yeah. in the face of sort of unending miserable weather. It's sort of like England. <laughs> That's how I imagine England is. It's a forest that rains all the time, and there's a there's a Tower of London somewhere. Yeah, and and badger people. Yeah, badger people. Beaver, beaver people. Wind in the willows Sorry. is basically what Little I'm thinking of. Yeah, bear person, one of the traders, very cute. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that I also really like about that is we've talked about the forest, which is that all these maps are set in the middle of some kind of crazy forest. Like some of them are like a weird semi fungal marsh forest. And some of them are like the crimson forest where the trees can contain copper in them, like all kinds of stuff like this. There's these little biomes. I think there's three, maybe four right now. I can't remember exactly. But the. From your center of your settlement, your starting point, which is the hearth fire, which you have to keep burning because it's it wards away the worst of the storm or whatever. Right. So you always need wood or coal or something to feed that the. As you spread out into the forest, you uncover these little glades and the glades themselves can have new resources to gather, new uh, challenges that you need to overcome horrible ticking time bombs of some kind that are going to go off if you don't fix them first. And it adds a, a layer of, well, maybe if I just get into this new next area, it'll have what I need to solve my problems because you can find ruins from previous settlements, buildings you can't even build yet sometimes. Right. And it's a, it's a delightful little horror box, I guess of, of its own, yeah, just like, like a roguelike element at least. Yeah. You, yeah. And that is within each individual city you're building, right? Yeah. So you will you will probably open a dozen different glades, some of which are guaranteed to have something bad in them, some of which are guaranteed to have something really bad in them, and some of which are are more random. Um, so like, there's a higher risk, higher reward if you tell your woodcutters, "Yeah, I want to go into this glade," um, and like you have to kind of know that you have enough resources banked that you can go and use those to stop whatever whatever curse is going to be applied you also know that you have to have enough of an extra workforce you 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 kind of want to have full employment in this game where you have uh you know at least two uh, little characters who are always slack in case they need to be called upon in order to resolve some major problem they're also what 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 the general building people are if they're not like specifically assigned to a farm or a bakery or whatever then they're the ones who are just randomly building whatever uh so population control is also a very important part of this game and before i think the resolve comes along this isn't it's not necessarily the the locus of difficulty in that your run will end when you don't have enough population but um it is a locus of difficulty in that like this is the gate that you have to figure out the best way to open. And sometimes that can mean like taking risks and going into glades that might actually cause bigger problems. Or you go into a glade and here you go. There are five more beavers and now your woodcutting operation is like really, really set to go. 
Um, it's it's random in a sense, like we've you know it it rolls a dice and whatever whatever event happens to come out, or it's probably hard coded when the the map is made. But it's it's random, but it doesn't feel random in that like oh my run just got screwed over because this one thing happened to happen. Like you know what the risks are, you know that you really need to have the capacity to deal with bullshit anytime you open a glade. And if you don't, then you're in trouble anyway. So that feeling of, yeah, it's random, but it's not bullshit is really important for anything with like a roguelike structure. Yeah. And I was impressed by that. Yeah. Go ahead. Any of those glades that you open up, you you're sending your woodcutters deliberately to clear the trees and, and connect it to your settlement. So yeah, you you get to, to determine a hundred percent, uh, when that happens. Um, so yeah, you're not going to ever get jumped by something that just comes charging out of the woods unless you cut the trees down on, on purpose. So that, that, that does keep the, the bullshit factor in check. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, and I, there is, go ahead. John. I found it really nice because it, uh, I very rarely in, in against the storm felt sort of fucked over by the, by the number generator. Right. The only times that ever happened to me were, you know, I get in and the hand of available buildings that I get is just not what I need to succeed on this map. And that was vanishingly yeah. rare. Yeah, and I think that's that's part of the patches that they've done since this game came out. It's a, it's about a month old at this point in terms of the early access, and they've done some major work on it. Um, but yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, is that if the randomness feels like it's screwing me over, like it's, you know, I need... I need to be able to collect herbs and I just never get the proper herb hut given to me in the early part of the game. And then uh, maybe by the later part of the game, when I I have the chance to pick and choose a little better, uh, it's just not an option or my, my settlement is collapsed to the point where uh, that was just, you know, that was just the bad luck. Um, but yeah, that is that is relatively rare and it does feel like so at the game, at the start of each game or at the start of each little run, um, you're given uh three buildings, uh or three blueprints by the queen. And those three blueprints kind of determine the direction you're going at the start. Uh, and it's usually like, here's your first piece of industry, here's a camp, and here's like maybe a different camp. And you can get like a forager's camp that can get certain bugs, or you can get like a, an herbalist camp or whatever. Yeah, uh, trappers, at, there's sort of a variety of them. And then there's little farms yeah, too, right? You can find areas it, of fertile soil, and you can make a farm yeah, or a plantation or a grove. Like there's a bunch of, there's a huge variety of different resources to generate in a run in the same way that any given object that you need to make has a set of different recipes available to you. Like I think so like one of them is like manuscripts. And so to make manuscripts, you need something to make the paper and something to make the ink, right? Or something to write with, but you can make manuscripts with like plant reeds or wood or leather or something else. I think plus charcoal or ink that you've made in some other way yeah and so you get these sort of like increased density of systems the further you go and by the further you go i don't necessarily mean like building your city out i mean like 
you've done five cities. Now the queen is sending you these more complicated blueprints that have like more difficult resources to get, but also higher rewards when you manage to get those things up and running. And um, it does create a system where it's kind of hard to leave against the storm and come back. Like it had been two or three weeks since I had played before this show. And I, I loaded up a game this afternoon and tried to play it and like just was like, okay, I have a really good kind of basic set of um, buildings here that, you know, I, I have enough crappy housing, I have enough crappy food, I have enough crappy industry, but uh, I got one of the modifiers on the map that made it a lot harsher uh, when when the forest's hostility went up. Um, and like just by not having anything advanced up and running, my run was just like gone. And it was like not a matter of that I didn't know that that was there, but that I didn't realize that the punishment was going to be quite so severe and didn't actually have the time to dilly around and try to remember what all the things did. I actually needed to get those advanced structures up, creating leisure and creating like uh, the more religious structures or the. Uh, uh, taverns for people to get drunk at um, and instead I just had enough to sleep and eat and work and it turns out that um, when the forest is going to destroy you, you need beer. That yeah. is also true in I, real I, life. <laughs> <laughs> I like how um, the uh, the specific needs of the different species kind of gets uh, it gets kind of funny later on like I mean at first it makes some sense like what do we know about beavers? They don't mind being wet. They, uh, and they, they love cutting down trees. That makes, that makes perfect. That's sense. true. Uh, if, if you've got to gather some eggs, uh, leave that to the lizards. They know all about eggs. All right. That, that makes sense. But then like later on you find out, well, lizards are, they, they really believe in brotherhood and they, they need to <laughs> like, like what? They hang out is with that, other people. Is that a, yeah. Yeah. They, it's important for lizards to have that uh, community. So I just, I, I like the characterization of the, the, the different species They're, they, I mean, they all have the same kind of basic needs. They all need housing. They all need food, you know, things like that. Yeah. But, but certain things are more or less important to like, different species. Like beavers right? are happier, uh, yeah. like lizards are happier if they have like beef jerky and barbecue skewers yeah. and humans are happier the if they have yeah. pie. Right. Yeah. Which again, also yeah, just like real life. Like biscuits. Yeah. yeah, beavers so. really love biscuits and they like to cut things down and they like to be educated. <laughs> right. And, like, and like you climb up Maslow's hierarchy of needs in this game as you build a little city, right? Like at first it. you're, yeah, you're like, desperately concerned with just like enough food and shelter to survive. And then you're like, OK, <laughs> now we're going to make sure that everyone's well clothed. Right. And then <laughs> you sort of step up and eventually you're like, OK, and now we're going to build a library. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's just funny to imagine like the different Maslow's hierarchy of needs for a lizard. Like, how does that? It's really fun. I love it. Like, I love that you can yeah. if you put lizards in, in any like warm a building, like a bakery. They're not particularly good at baking, but they fucking love working in that bakery because it's nice and warm in there. <laughs> now, this is also like when you have your town up and running. Or like at every stage of the game, but especially when you have your town up and running, you'll get these choices about like what the next um, 
what the next goal that you're trying to deliver to the queen is. The queen will send you multiple goals and you can say, all right, the queen wants pies. I'm going to send her pies. Or you could say, oh, the queen really wants a human settlement that has like at least 10 humans and has them super happy. I have eight humans and I think I could start building the houses that'll make humans happier. Let's go with that. Uh, and this is, there's just like a consistent droplet or a faucet that's like got a drop coming out every, every couple minutes of one of Sid Meier's interesting choices. And it's kind of shocking how effective it is for an early access game. And I think this is part of the reason that this game was well worth doing in the way that a lot of early access city builders weren't is that it's, there's very clearly stuff that could be improved and we should definitely talk about that. But there are just lots of very, very smart choices that maintain attention on the game and give you goals that can change from run to run so that you have a certain level of novelty and you're not just going through the motions of, yep, now that I have my roads built here, then I build the library, then I need the science for the library. Okay, this part of the city is kind of like completed and I can block it off in my brain. That doesn't really happen it against the storm too much because yeah. it's consistently giving you these options of which direction to go. It does. I, and that's, that's the thing. I think the word that really kind of typifies it for me is it's, it always feels improvisational. Uh, and, and it's because you're always kind of limited with the, um, the tech that you have available, like the, the blueprints yes. um, mm -hmm. that you're given, like you mentioned at the very, very beginning that sort of set your starting conditions I mean, you can work with that or you can try to compensate for it and go in another direction. It always, it, it feels like you're really uh, trying to make something on the fly yeah. uh, and mm -hmm. it never really loses that feeling. Which no is matter really what you are trying to do, brilliant. you will always end up flying by the seat of your pants on something. And yeah. I mean, like philosophically, this is really important for me in games. Uh, this is, this is why I have a hard time with modern civilizations because it's about having a plan and sticking with it and every improvisation is just like a different slight change in the plan whereas in against the storm or games that have me you know reacting um that's what i want i want to be able to say all right here are the resources i have here's the problem that just came up that i've been uh kind of blindsided by let's make a plan to deal with this fly by the seat of my pants through that into the next crisis. This is what, you know, paradox games have been so good at doing when they're, they're really on their, on their flow. And city builders are, are an interesting choice by this because like this, because um, this kind of survival city builder, the dwarf fortress of the rim world style is built around that. Whereas a city skylines and even to some extent, the impression style games, uh, they tend to be a lot more about like once you know what the problem is, then it's about building around that problem rather than here's something completely different unless it's like scripted somehow. Yeah. Uh, and I think that against the storm is really interesting in the bigger context of city builders because it kind of splits that difference. And I think the game that I end up comparing it to the most to uh, mentally is banished, which yes, is a game that 3MA mostly has loved, but as uh, yeah, absolutely. just kind of 
came out in like 2013 or 2014, made a bunch of tink noises in our ears for a couple of years and then sort of disappeared. Well, I think uh, it became a foundational game, right? It, yeah. It's if you went back and played it now as someone who's played, you know, survival city builders from the last four or five years, you would be like, this is so boring and basic. But it it's simply because literally everything it did has been incorporated whole wholesale into other so many other games. Right. And I think the the key thing about Banish that is difficult is that the survival was the survival was balanced to like the mid game. A lot of a lot of survival city builders have the survival element like very strong at the beginning of the game and in various waves from different things that you do. Like I'm thinking of Rimworld, uh, you know, once you figured out sort of how to set up your set up your little colony, um, then a lot of the issues becomes like, oh, the game's going to just start throwing really tough enemies at you or uh, a particularly bad kind of natural disaster. It doesn't necessarily come inherently, although it can, depending on like your characters, uh, which is part of what makes that game good, but a lot of a lot of the Rimworld wannabes in Rimworld at times like just kind of throw a disaster or throw enemies at you. Um, what a game like Banished or Gets the Storm does is it's a very chill game. It's just kind of the decisions you make slowly lead out into some kind of equilibrium and then when winter comes and banished or when a new a new event gets triggered in against the storm then you sort of realize oh my equilibrium was simply not good enough can i make it good enough quickly enough to survive this yeah and it's nice because not all of that's random right you you can see a lot of it coming you know that slowly over time literally in you know six to eight minute chunks you're going to go into a new year and the hostility of the forest is going to automatically tick up by a certain amount and your villagers resolve is going to lower and then at the same time you can see there's the sort of scenario effects once you enter into a game you'll see some of these like they'll, they'll be green and red highlighted boxes and there'll be things that are going to happen and the green things are some stuff bonuses you're going to get during certain seasons, during the, the rainy season and then the clear season, and then the storm comes right after that. Um, and then there'll be other bonuses, which are going to be things that are going to work against you during the storm. And those activate as the hostility increases, right? So you can mouse over that series in the beginning and know, okay, three of these things are really dangerous and they're negated by clothes and they're going to come pretty early. So I need to focus on getting good clothing as quickly as possible. Then by the time we get to four, I'm going to need to make sure everyone's in good shelter. Um, and you can be like, OK, and then by five, I'm going to need really good services or people are going to start dying. You can get this plan of what your priorities need to be overall. Um, and it's nice to be able to look at it and make those plans in the beginning once you get really good at the game. But then at the same time, everything we've talked about still applies and your plan will not survive contact with the map once you start opening up glades, figuring out what resources are actually available to you and getting the hand of buildings you've been dealt to choose from. Yeah, I think the another other, thing that... Oh, Go ahead. Well, just to... Something that kind of makes the... I guess closes the loop that like maybe that 
against the storm and games, well, the, the children of banished might uh, share is that they, they have this recognition that there are problems endogenous to a growing population. Like the fact that you're, that more people are, are there is a problem. And that that's going to get more complicated to solve almost geometrically as that population increases. Right. And that's, what's missing. I think in games that kind of like, like Civ or, uh, or the Sim city uh, type city builders where that's not really an issue. Um, that's kind of just a flat progression. And that, that, that graph is more or less a straight diagonal line. Um, and, progress is kind of just assumed to be larger popular, more people, more territory. That's all good. That's what you want. And banished builds in and so does against the storm. Uh, that there are, are big problems that come along with the ballooning population that, that you have to account for. I think that's really smart. And it's something that we don't necessarily see often enough. I'm, I'm glad that banished is uh, inspiring so many games because that's, a good thing to be aware of when you're trying to model some kind of, you know, culture, uh, civilization or group. Um, yeah, that's that something that I thought uh, against the storm does pretty well. I, I like the phrase you used about closing the loop because I feel like what against the storm succeeds at that not even banished did is not having to close every loop in the game. You can get to a point where you are successfully exploiting everything, but because you're just doing one run, you're just doing one little city, uh, that exploitation is only going to get you so far. You're going to have to find a new one for the next city you do. Um, and I think that's just, I can't stress enough how clever it is to have a reason to stop playing the city and start a new one, even though like just saying it like that makes it sound super simplistic, but like, this is a game that manages to make you feel like you are making progress and you are making progress by understanding the game as well as just getting those random unlocks. Yeah, it, um, it has the character of an RTS like that. Like you're always yeah. you want to play the next match and try a new strategy or try to refine the strategy you just tried. In many yeah, ways, and like, I think that's... and I mean this in the, the, the highest possible complementary sense of the sentence, Against the Storm is like a Warcraft 3 custom map. Like it's it's <laughs> yeah. just really good in that it it just works, but it it's all pieces you've seen before somewhere else just kind of cobbled together and then smoothed over into a very pretty mosaic. I think it's worth talking about the prettiness because uh like Banished, this is a game that has a really nice aesthetic. It manages to get that that chill vibe that's also got a bit of danger to it that I mm -hmm. think it it wants to have. And this is, this sets it apart from a lot of other city builders as well. Yeah. I just, and like, the, like the, a, the basic like character's uh, secret of Nim vibe, maybe. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. The basic characters are just really delightful. Like the beavers are sort of waddling about in these like big oil skin cloaks and the, the lizards have these really wide brimmed hats and they're really tall. And then the humans at first, I didn't recognize them when I started playing. And then I yeah. realized they were the humans because they've got these huge basket like um, rain covers over their backs because they're they're the agriculturalists. So it's it's a, a full body umbrella from when they're sort of leaned over in the field working. It's really great. Yeah, I, I also think that there's the background music is just like 
I don't know, it, it works really well to set the exact mood without being obtrusive in any way. Um, it's it's hard to get that kind of mood setting music in a strategy game that is noticeably good without being like, OK, I got to turn this off. It, it, yeah. it darkens when the season changes to the rainy season, the, the storm comes. And then there's this nice kind of clarifying major chord when the sun comes out again. It, it's really well done. I, I also just really like the sort of graphical style of um, the, the way the forest feels like a rainy forest, which is, you know, a, a sort of a biome or a, or a nature conceit. That's one of my favorites when I watch the nature documentaries or whatever, like show <laughs> me the, uh, show me the arboreal rainforests, the, the, the cold rainforests. Those are, those are some of the best, uh, I think, and this game manages to capture that. It's not exactly like technically gonna blow you away. Uh, it just this is a game that looks exactly like what it wants to look like, and I think that's really impressive. Yeah, it's a successfully <laughs> unified aesthetic. I don't, I don't think there's anything in the game that looks or sounds off. There's only a little bit of the writing that I I frown at, but that's because as with everyone else on this podcast, I'm a writer. So I'm going to frown at some of the writing in a game no matter what. Yeah, you got to find some notes like the, but, but the, the use uh, of the word rain punk will drive me out of my fucking mind. until OK, I'm dead, right? <laughs> uh, so a shout out to the uh, UI UX folks on this, too, because unlike Banished, there's none of the like really tiny text pull down Excel uh, pivot table type menus that you have to kind of fuss through. Uh, everything's yeah. just a really nice, uh, it, almost like a hearthstone uh, type menu system. And and it's all very easy to use and navigate. Even if eh, some of the icons maybe could be a little bit more clear from a semiotics perspective, I guess, but like all, everything looks good. And like the, they're, you don't have to, pour through tiny text boxes, which is great. Yeah, I think also the this kind of constrained nature of each run makes that easier because you don't need to have these super dense menus uh, that have like 30 different options because you're only getting five to 10 options of each type in each run. And like, you can see that it's starting to get a little constrained when you get above like seven or eight different buildings of a certain type, like the industry buildings you can get really clogged up on. If you're like, okay, I want a bakery and I want a Smithy and I want all these things. Uh, or the bakery would be under food production, but yeah, the, the industry one tends to be the one that I think gets the clog the most. Yeah. Um, and and it, like, it does get, tricky to keep track of what materials you have on hand until I yeah. guess you get like pretty familiar with what everything means. It's all icons kind of just in a stack. There's no way to organize that stuff on your own. So you just kind of have to know what everything means, which can, that's uh, a little uh, bit of a problem, but I'm sure, uh, you know, once you achieve a certain level of familiarity, that probably goes away. Yeah. I mean, Every reasonably complex city builder is going to have these problems. Like this yeah. is this is an extremely effective take on how to be able to tell at a glance or be able to build your buildings, especially with familiarity with the system. It's it's not one that you're gonna be constantly digging for whatever or need to make hotkeys to 
have a building that otherwise would be like nested five deep in some menu. It's yeah, it's effective at what it needs to be, and it's one of the better attempts, especially given that this is a very small team, uh, at, at making a city builder kind of legible at a glance. I think it's a five-person team, something like that. It's a fairly small game studio, though. Um, yeah, I. It's Aramite Games. Have, have they made anything else? I I only saw Against the Storm. I think they made a mobile um, game before but, they made this. Okay, God, maybe yeah, that's I, where some of the UI smoothness comes from because it's really and I, like mobile. I don't want to use that in a pejorative way. Like it just really is usable in in, in a way that I feel mobile interfaces. Um, I, yeah, I'm with mobile you. Mobile interfaces get in a way that's really good. But there's just it, a, it's like such an impressive level of polish on this already, and it's in early access. So let's talk about the early access a little bit. Uh, it took them a while to release a roadmap, which we uh, they did, looks like two weeks ago. Um, and it looks like the thing that they're aiming to do is get a new Bioman, uh, try to change how orders work, which I'm not really sure I understand. And uh, I think... They want to get a new species in and change how exploration works. I don't know how that is supposed to go, but this is this is pretty pretty minor stuff given the depth of the game as it is right now. I think. Um, yeah, I think that like it's gonna fractally explode though. Like adding a new biome adds an entire new environment to play in with its own challenges and changes and set of available resources. Um, adding a new species, right? Like a huge part of this game is balancing which species you can and can't keep happy, at least for me, like yeah. in any given settlement. So the idea of adding and that their press kit has little happy circular pictures of five different species. There's three in the game right now. So maybe what, if they're going for five, that is a uh, that's wild and actually kind of thrilling. What What are the other two? One kind of looks like a bear dude. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. It's like a happy bear. Mm -hmm. And then the other looks like um. A, a samurai teapot i got nothing samurai teapot hmm. it's got like um, a sword so, and a, a cool hat so so this is what i was thinking as i was playing the game is that you know for all the compliments that we have i feel like this game does end up getting a little samey even even though it's doing its damnedest to not be that samey to change the runs uh, uh to have the different uh kind of impositions or the the mutations uh it's still like every time i start a new run i have three beavers three humans and three lizards and a couple easy groves that aren't going to be a problem and a couple difficult groves right next to me and a couple little resources and just you know kind of start every game the same way and it it changes pretty dramatically but I felt like the simplest thing that I would like to see from this game that I think would like change it in a fractal fashion, as you said, John, was another species that would just like add, you know, it doesn't seem like the species are so different right now, but just having a, a slight addition of the aesthetics would make things kind of exponentially grow and the way, thing i was reminded of was when i was playing darkest dungeon initially uh the early access version of that 
like three or four months into that, they added the cove, which had the water enemies and a different soundtrack and uh, different backgrounds to to travel through. And it was like, that was the thing that I needed for that game to go from there are a bunch of really interesting ideas in this and I'm excited about this too. I'm never going to stop playing this game. So just, just adding a couple more like half aesthetic, half, uh, half mechanical novelties to games like this, I think will, will really do it, do wonders for it. Yeah. Keep it diverse and rich for a surprisingly long time. I mean, I was amazed at how engaged I stayed with this. I I got, I'm going to say 80% up the sort of meta progression tree. I I, wow. I got wow. I dug really deep into it and I really enjoyed it. Um and that was the point where I was like okay this this is starting to get stale. I need some variety. I'm doing the same few things over and over. Um and started to do stuff like sort of self-imposed challenges and that that is the early access nature of this. But like we don't always talk That's about this, but it's something that I like to bring up every once in a while. This is a $20 game. It's $20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, that's easy, easy decision. They made that call, but like, this is a forty dollar game, probably. Yeah, yeah. I think I think also. Um, I don't know. I feel like, in addition to just the price, like in terms of what you get out of this, this is one of the easiest city builder recommendations. It's pretty easy to pick up. Uh, it's pretty fast to play. It's got a lot of interesting ideas. I don't know what other game I would recommend if someone were saying, I would like to play a relatively new city builder, unless what they really wanted was just SimCity, in which case, City Skylines always. But uh, like, if, if they wanted something that would, with an impressions vibe or something with a survival vibe, like this, is, this, this has everything you might want. It's got, it's got the difficulty, it's got the charm. It's got the ideas. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I, like if I you would... want to find out what's good about city builders really fast, this is it. Like <laughs> that's true. This is the way to see. Like the this is like the greatest hits album. Where someone's like, <laughs> hey, right Ian, at the gate, you get all of those things. What interesting new things have been made in the city builder in the past decade? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> they're all <laughs> yeah. right here. Just run through the feature set in uh, Against the Storm. That, that, that's... Animals, death. <laughs> Uh huh. Right. Uh huh. We got it. Yeah. Nailed it. Everything that I like is right there. Um. What What other early access things do you, Do you all see that you you would like you you want to see implemented, or you you want to make a suggestion at, or or what here? I I think like you touched on this earlier, Rowan, but uh, like the the maps, I think are probably the samiest part. Like even though they're procedurally generated, I would love to see the proc gen engine um enhanced a little bit so like it could throw some surprises at me yeah because like you say you you start off in i mean in a different uh layout every time but it's different in the way that procedurally generated stuff tends to be different which is not different in any interesting or important way yeah and after after 15 or 20 cities you start to recognize things down to like the shape of specific groves you're like i've seen that one before Right. It's yeah. like the three different kinds of McDonald's chicken nugget, right? Like, right. Yeah. You, you, there, there's, there, you get maybe, maybe you're getting a 10 piece, but there's only three different ones in there. So. Yeah. The, uh, the thing that you just kind of suggested that I think what might be interesting is like different shapes or different positions where you start because you, you basically start at the center of a wheel. Uh, right. And each, each little spoke of the wheel is a glade and 
like the size of the spoke might change, but you're still at the center. So what if you were, what if you were like building along a line, all the great, all the glades were on a line or all the glades were to even just like a triangle or a square. Or even just starting you at the edge of the wheel. Yeah. Right. yeah. Or, or, or the bank against the wall. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, because like that also affects it's not merely just kind of how the how the progression feels in your head but it's also like how much how how you build space to increase the size of your city with your woodcutters is i think a really interesting little part of this game where like sometimes if i'm just like in the center of the city and i just want some more space because i really need to build a bunch of lizard housing or whatever like i'll just leave a woodcutter there and having having that be constrained in even a slight way would make this game a little bit more in feel uh a little bit more geographically interesting i think yeah like rock formations or something thrown in to make you have to oh, pop yeah. around um yeah obstacles or something that that could you know make the maps feel meaningfully different and more memorable but i mean and and also yeah. give like different blade shapes and stuff you could have yeah, like yeah. specific cliff cliff events as well that is um, john did you totally have, fascinating to me did you have any early access things that you you thought were interesting or wanted to suggest yeah i i like that it's uh i like that the resolve sort of versus the hostility system is the way that it is um i want that balance to get worked on a lot more and i'm sure it will be the the last patch they did really changed things up and made it much harder to reach homeostasis especially on the harder maps um but i also want uh i want to see a richer variety of of sort of quote builds become available right now you can sort right. of do these like ones where you focus on producing specific kinds of resources and getting really good at it and maybe trading some away um and a lot of the orders from the queen are based around that uh, or they're based around, you know, get this species this happy. But I'd like to see some emphasis on there's there's the hints of a really interesting idea of like you can make a. A, a build that gets your citizens killed on purpose, right? Like you yeah. can get these builds where it's like, yeah, we do. We've got cannibalism. So every time someone dies, we get free food. And then we've got like, you know, ancient sacrificial rites. So every time we open a new glade, someone dies, but it's more powerful. Um, I'd like to see other builds based around stuff like that. You know, things based around, oh, this one's this one's about salvaging. We're really good at salvaging and making tools in this one. So finding these abandoned buildings is great for us. Um I'd like to maybe that like edict system, kind of like in uh, Frostpunk, where yeah, that would completely change the like direction that your settlement was going in. Yeah, or even just the little perks. I'd be very happy for the perks to sort of get weirder than they are, do stranger yeah. things. Um, you know, we're not gonna pick the like you don't pick the one where you get a bonus when people die, or the one that I really love that I did once, which is like make everyone overwork but every 60 seconds they just have a, a flat three percent chance to die that one's hysterical <laughs> yeah uh, and, and like that's sinclair yeah yeah it part. is yeah. right and it, those are they're fun and interesting um i'd like to see that kind of stuff happen and maybe i'd like to yeah. see like a little bit more um continuity between the cycles like you'll do three or four different cities in a cycle and then the map will sort of reset um, get partially wiped clean and new stuff will will pop up about where you want to build your cities. Um, I like that 
I really love the later parts of each cycle because you'll establish these chains of cities and you can even get competing viceroys also building cities on the map. And then by building a trader, you can do trade routes with those cities where you're like, okay, we're going to exchange five pottery every minute to you and you're going to send us 10 grain every minute in exchange, right? I really like that. I'd like to see some of that fleshed out a little more. I want to see the meta economy of me interacting with my old cities happen more. And I want to see myself like trying to go for weird challenge builds on my early cities so that I can get a specific bonus for my later cities in any given set of runs. Yeah, yeah I, like I setting think the, the early the other, place up to be a pottery right. town. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing that I was most interested in is is directly connected to, to that, John, which is that I would like to know, like, what specific issues I'm dealing with a little bit earlier, especially when I'm picking what resources to build or to bring along on a new on a new city run, because it's like you can you can get the impression of like some of the issues you'll face but like having the ability to know like this city is going to you know have something the the rain is going to be worse so humans are going to be less happy okay i'm not bringing humans on this run or i'm not bringing extra humans uh just having things like that so that 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 moment where you start the game and you look at exactly what you have to start with uh just there's a little bit more variety on that. I want I want that that initial decision to to go there with those uh with those citizens and what resources I have to be something that I have some constraints on. It's something that I have more interesting choices based on. Yeah. Uh I think that would do a lot for the feeling of novelty because every town ends up very different, but it all starts in pretty much the same place and you know Starting it at a slightly different place, I think having having the options to do that would uh, would go a long way towards making this game uh, feel consistently fresh. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and I think it does it does speak well of the game that one of the things you want is you're like, yeah, I'm getting greedy. I want more interesting choices because I can see yeah. already in the design space of the game <laughs> where those interesting choices could be, and that's pretty delightful to me. Yeah, that and, you know, these suggestions are this is a really solid foundation. Here's what would get me even more excited. Yeah. Like this is this is shockingly for an early access city builder, not a game where it's like, oh god, I'll, I'll play this more when they fix this. Yeah, it's, it's I'm gonna probably yeah, this is play this more really right good. now and then like maybe put it down for two or three months because I, I think they've got a one year plan here. Um, they're doing yeah. biweekly updates, so every two weeks. And then every three months, they've got sort of sets of like quarterly goals they're going to go to, which are fairly vague, but they're sort of obvious stuff like more biomes, more species, revamping systems. Uh, I'm really interested. I'm going to keep my eye on this one and probably going to keep it installed, which is a high compliment, I think, for a lot of early <laughs> access games for me. I keep everything yeah. installed and just and just plug more hard drives into my PC. <laughs> I I just look by the the largest install so whatever whatever Bethesda or Zenimax game it is usually the first one to go. Yeah. Uh I have installed and uninstalled 2016 Doom like eight times whereas a random city builder like this will just stay forever. Yeah. But this is much better than your average random city builder. Sure so is. So yeah, uh do you all have any final thoughts or should we wrap up against the storm? 
my final thought oh, is that, that for twenty dollars, this is a pretty fucking good game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This pardon is, my French, but this is, dang, this is this is one of the most complimentary three MAs we've had, uh, just about ever. So uh, that's that's probably sufficient for saying, yeah, this is uh, this is a blast. Uh, when when John was setting up the setting. Uh, he didn't mention the game that I found it was most most like, which is the Mutant Year Zero. This feels like it's a spinoff oh, sure. from it's that f- Funcom game, Fantasy Mutant slash, Year Zero. Yeah, from yeah. the from. I think this is also po- post apocalyptic. It's just so post apocalyptic. It's more specifically fantasy. Um, but yeah, this <laughs> it it's got that almost exact same feeling of weird animal people living together with other people in an apocalypse, and it's always kind of icky and raining. Uh, it's yeah it's is... weather channel red wall yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is uh definitely like 2000s dark and grim red wall in many ways i don't i don't think you're wrong yeah. about that ian you had you had a another thought oh just uh what was my other thought i uh i'm just so impressed with the uh the way that resources are handled in this game it, like honestly uh, the fact that you can, you, there's so many different resources to collect. You can do different things with them. The the recipes that you have can all be changed out. I mean, I the the one game that I thought this actually reminded me of in that regard was uh, Workers and Resources Soviet Republic. Like you can oh, do wow. so many things with your raw materials. Uh, I, I just thought that was amazing too. But so, even with yeah, I, a strong c- recommend. Compared to those kinds of supply chain games, um, it's really delightfully yeah. made in that it's, it continues in flexibility further down the line. Like there's a lot of points where you can either yeah. feed in a large amount of raw material or a smaller amount of some other finished material that you could have made in, in some other building or at some earlier stage, which I really like. Yeah, you're, you're making the decision to use something locally or to export it. I mean, there's this just really cool, like this looks so simple. You know, it looks like you said, kind of like a Warcraft three uh, custom map, uh, but it, it, it's got so much going on and, and I, I'm, and I really I'm do mean that in the most shocked. complimentary yeah. way possible. Right. <laughs> Anyone no, who and, got and turned off by me saying that, just custom, trust me uh, that it, it was a, only Warcraft a compliment. Map, yeah. Uh, or defense of the ancients. Right. So um, yeah, you can do pretty, pretty well with those, but yeah, like the, you two, I could hardly recommend this more for an early access city builder. I, I was delighted. Yeah. Well, I think that that should wrap it up. Three of May was probably produced by Liana Hafer. Um, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash three of May. And uh, let's see here. What do we do next? We do we do pimping. Uh, Y'all have anything to pimp? Now you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> at Ian, are you are you an uh, underscore? No, just at iBoudreau. I Boudreaux, right? Yeah. Uh, John, where are you? You can find me on Twitter at John Bolds, but I don't, I don't really particularly recommend it. <laughs> oh yeah, my feed's bad too, but yeah, that's where you and can it, find me. Um, you can find me at Rowan Kaiser, all one word, and you can also find me at Total Massacre, my action movie podcast at Total underscore Mass underscore Pod or Patreon.com slash Total Massacre. Uh, that's that's my day job. Three MA is my evening job. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that should cover it. 
I believe we have a movie podcast coming soon. We do, and it's the big one. I'm blown away that they're finally going to do it. They are right. They're doing. They're going to the desert. Yeah, Rob and Troy are finally going to do Lawrence of Arabia, <laughs> which I've been. I mean, like I've been telling them to do it for years, but they just haven't. And now they're. I'm. I don't know. I don't even know. I'm. I'm so excited. They're they're really into imperialism finally, so they're they're gonna do, finally do this. <laughs> do that phase, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, and then yeah, after that we'll be back in December. So have a good night. <laughs>